Next, ReachMD presents this month's special series, Focus on Nutrition and Nutrition Science. As increasing evidence points to nutrition as a key factor in disease prevention and management, we're highlighting current topics, research, and best practices in the field. You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Reports on the medicinal properties of food are often of interest to the general public, hoping for better health through proper nutrition. For many years, the relationship between berry consumption and cancer prevention has been studied in lab animals, with results from these scientific studies interpreted for their potential applications in daily life. What does current research tell us about the potency of berries toward preventing cancer, and what are the practical indications for humans? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and joining me from Columbus, Ohio, is Dr. Gary Stoner, Professor Emeritus, Division of Hematology and Oncology of the Department of Internal Medicine at The Ohio State University College of Medicine and Public Health. Welcome, Dr. Stoner. Thank you. Dr. Stoner, tell us about your most recent studies. What evidence have you found that berries might prevent cancer in animals? Well, we've had a number of ongoing investigation in animals for several years, and most of our work has been done with black raspberries. And we found that when we remove water from them and sort of grind them into a powder and add the powdered berries to the diet of animals, the berry powder has the ability to prevent carcinogens from inducing cancer in the esophagus and in the oral cavity and also in the colon of animals. So the berries powder is added to the diet animals about 5 and 10% of their diet, which is equivalent to you and I consuming about half a pound to a pound of whole berries a day. So it's a pretty heavy dose. But of course, we also give these animals pretty high doses of carcinogen. So they're very strongly initiated, you might say. But the berries reduce cancer in all three of these organ sites, the mouth, the esophagus, and the colon, about between 50 and 70%. So that's quite a significant inhibition. As you mentioned, you've been conducting this research for years. How has the research evolved since the early years? First, we started conducting studies principally in animals and showing that we could prevent cancer in the three organ sites I mentioned. And then we started looking at the mechanisms by which berries inhibit cancer in animals. We found that they do a number of things. They prevent carcinogen-induced genetic damage or DNA damage in tissues. They prevent oxidative damage from uh, oxidative radicals. They also prevent the uh, progression of pre-malignant cells to cancer. And they do this mainly by reducing the growth rate of pre-malignant cells, stimulating these cells to die instead of proliferate, they also markedly reduce inflammation and many associated processes in inflammation. They also reduce new blood vessel formation, or process we call angiogenesis. And finally, we've shown that the berries stimulate normal differentiation. So when cells are sort of programmed to grow abnormally, we sort of shift them back into a normal differentiative mode again with the berries. Of course, the hope is that this research will tell us something about berry consumption in humans. Your colleague, Christine Sardo, announced about three years ago that based on your work with lab animals, she would be studying people with precancerous lesions of the esophagus, mouth, and colon to determine the effect of berry consumption. Have there been any findings, or is it too soon to tell? Yes, there have been some findings. Initially, of course, we wanted to determine whether or not berries would uh, be tolerable in humans. So, 
with any sort of preventative agent. It's very important to show that it might have efficacy at concentrations in which it does not elicit a lot of toxicity. Our first trial, which we conducted with Chris Sardo, was a phase one clinical trial in which we administered berry powder to a series of subjects at about an amount equivalent to the lowest dose that was effective in animals, or about half a pound a day of whole berries, for a period of two weeks, and we found that the berries were very well tolerated, very few side effects. And also, some of the active compounds in the berries were actually absorbed into the bloodstream, albeit at fairly low levels. Based on this initial study showing that berries were very well tolerated, we decided then to do a number of what I call pilot trials in humans. These are trials involving relatively small numbers of individuals to see whether or not berries might be protective against cancer. The first trial we did was in subjects that have a condition called Barrett's esophagus. And Barrett's esophagus is a precancerous lesion at the lower region of the esophagus where near where it goes to the stomach, due, as you know, to acid reflux disease. And we found that when we gave Barrett's patients 45 grams of black raspberry powder a day for a period of six months, we did reduce parameters of oxidative stress in these individuals, but not too much effect on the lesion itself, the Barrett's lesion. And we think the problem there was is that the berry powder was given in a slurry of water, just in a regular coffee cup. So you take a small styrofoam coffee cup, fill it about a third full of berry powder, add the rest of the water, and they drank that. We think that the active compounds in the berries went across the esophagus so rapidly that there probably was not sufficient opportunity for their absorption into the lesion to protect. So now we're coming up with some different formulations for the esophagus. So you're thinking it's actually a topical effect? We know that localized absorption of these compounds is really important for prevention. So we've also done some studies in the precancerous lesions in the mouth. And these were dysplastic lesions, or what we call leukoplakic lesions. And we designed a, a berry gel, sort of like a toothpaste, that has 10% black raspberry powder in it. And it's formulated to protect the compounds in berries. We uh, had a series of patients apply that topically to these leukoplakic lesions in the mouth four times a day for six weeks. And what we found is that there was histologic regression of about 60% of those lesions in just a six-week treatment period. And we also found that a number of genes that are associated with development of oral cancer were either, most of them were down-regulated, some were up-regulated, and the net effect was good. In other words, these genes were altered in a positive way. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest is Dr. Gary Stoner, Professor Emeritus at Ohio State. And we are discussing how our consumption of berries could play a role in efforts to prevent certain types of cancer. Dr. Stoner, the berries that you've been using for your research, I'm curious, do you account for the berries themselves, the growing techniques used with the berries, such as fruit grown organically versus those that might have pesticides or other chemicals, and perhaps even climate differences? When we began this work, we knew that some of the components in berries varied quite dramatically if we got the berries from different sources. So in order to start with sort of a standardized preparation, 
we obtain all of our berries from a single farmer. They're grown in the same part of his field year after year. They're the same cultivar. They're picked with the same degree of ripeness. We freeze them right on the farm, and then we have them freeze-dried in Chicago, a place near Chicago, and then we grind them into a powder and keep them frozen until we use them. Are they organically farmed or no? They're not organically farmed, but the farmer does not use any herbicides or pesticides any later than 10 days before the crop is harvested. And so since these are biodegradable, we do an evaluation of whether or not there's any residue from herbicides, pesticides, or fungicides in the berry powder. We have found one present, however, it's at much lower levels than the EPA considers to be problematic for humans. So we sort of control for that by washing the berries before we freeze them, and also we don't add anything to the berries later than 10 days before the berries are harvested. Of course, the public is always curious about these studies because they want to better their own health. What do you see or hear in the news about the subject that may not be entirely factual or advice that's being given around your research? One of the things that we're faced with is that, of course, get a lot of requests from people who actually have cancer. They're rather desperate and they want to know where they can get berry powder. And sometimes I want to know whether they can use that as opposed to standard of care for cancer. In other words, surgery, radiotherapy, chemotherapy. And of course, we do not recommend berries for cancer treatment. Certainly, we recommend all cancer patients go through standard of care. So that's one of the problems we frequently run into. We have had a few individuals who have taken berries after they've been treated for cancer and we have some evidence that they might have done somewhat better, both from the standpoint of their immune system and so forth. Well, at this point, we have not done a systematic clinical trial to actually prove that. Mm-hmm. And it's probably this demand that has led to companies like nutraceutical companies trying to develop pills or some way of making these berries available to the public. What are your thoughts about those companies? I think that if they produce a quality product and I think that, you know, some amount of berry consumption on a few times a week basis is probably likely to be protective against cancer and perhaps other diseases, along with other fruits and vegetables. I mean, I think we all should be consuming between four to six helpings of fruits and vegetables a day. We know that that's protective against cancer, probably other diseases as well. I think berries could be added to that. And the fact that they consume it in the form of a powder in a way as sort of a power pack in as much as the berries are about 90% water. So if you remove the water and then grind them into a powder, essentially you're concentrating the active components about tenfold. However, you know, I think the concept frequently is that by the public is that more is better. And therefore, if they take two pills a day, they'll be a lot better off if they take 10. That may not necessarily be the case. Right. But yet there's still this dilemma that, at least in your lab experiments, you're finding that you're giving the animals a half pound to a pound a day of fruit, which would be a lot for an individual to consume every day. Yes, it would be. And again, of course, these animals, as I say, are very highly initiated. So in order to show an effect, it's pretty necessary for us to do that. But for the person out there who doesn't have any known risk factors to cancer, no pre-malignant lesions, et cetera, We would imagine that if they had a four-ounce cup of berries three to four times a week, that'd probably be a good thing for them. And if they didn't want to take it in that form but took 
oh, uh, five to 10 grams of powder every day, that would probably be a good thing too. We certainly know that that's not likely to cause toxic effects in people, at least so far. One never knows, of course, if you give a product for a long enough period of time, there could be a problem. But we recommend that for people at high risk who have either a family history of cancer or they have high exposure to carcinogens or they have pre-malignant lesions or they're people who have been treated for cancer and that they're high risk for recurrent disease, maybe the taking of berries in a powder form at a little higher dose might be helpful and preventative. By the way, I didn't tell you that we just completed a trial with Dr. Carol Burke at Cleveland Clinic where we gave berry powder to patients with familial adenomatous polyposis. As you know, this is a disease of individuals who are at very high risk for development of polyps in their colon. Most of them have had their colons removed, but they still have some rectal epithelium that's at risk for polyp development. We found if we gave uh, FAP patients oral berries plus a rectal suppository that was made of berries, sort of a preparation H, for a period of nine months, on average, we had about a 55% regression of rectal polyps, which is really, really a very good result. So it sounds like your advice for the general public is pretty conservative to, you know, just go with the usual guidelines of incorporating fruits and vegetables into the diet, perhaps you're thinking that more fruits if someone is at risk. But it sounds like there are just a lot more questions that need to be asked and researched before there is any dramatic advice to be given out to the public. Is that so? Yes, that's true. I mean, it's very difficult to predict what dose might be required in a given individual to prevent cancer. Certainly, how individuals would handle berry compounds markedly varies from one person to another in terms of their metabolism, in terms of their uptake, et cetera. So it's hard to predict a priori how much would really be needed for a given individual. We'd like at some time to reach that degree of sophistication. Thank you for listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and our guest has been Dr. Gary Stoner, Professor Emeritus at Ohio State University College of Medicine and Public Health. Thank you for being our guest, Dr. Stoner. Well, thank you very much, Dr. McGowan. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Nutrition and Nutrition Science. For downloadable podcasts of programs in this series, go to ReachMD.com and choose the series Focus on Nutrition and Nutrition Science.